Welcome to the Showdown Podcast. This week's episode, Buddy Comedy Brodown. In the Watermelon Corner, Corey Banana and the Tailpipe Miller and his movie 48 Hours. And his opponent in the Cash Rules Everything Around Me Cream Corner, Vic Your Worst Fucking Nightmare Miller and his movie Beverly Hills Cop. And with your host and referee Brad Scott, let's get to the action. Welcome to the Showdown Podcast. It is uh, another battle. It feels like forever. It does. Since we've had a battle on this uh, show. And just the three of us at that. Yeah, That's right, yeah. Well, also, no no special guests today. It's a very Doing special it. episode. Gone old school. Yes, it is. Very old school. We are, uh, we are live from a uh, spa and uh, massage parlor with a waterfall in the lobby. <laughs> um, aka Corey's kitchen. A little bit of white yeah. Noise. It's it's honestly we figure like you guys are probably using this as white noise to go to sleep. Exactly. So we again we're helping out with the with the background <laughs> ambiance. Tones of ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Yes. And today's battle, as I said, is uh, it's a buddy cop movie. And uh, yeah, I probably should have said that in the intro. I said buddy <laughs> comedy, buddy yeah. comedy, buddy <laughs> comedy. Yeah, um, close enough. Nobody and we have that. actually the movie uh, that started it and the movie that, that may have defined it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, let, we have a new segment we're going to add to the show. This is the very first. We're debuting this segment, this this episode. It is called what, Corey? Uh, I don't know. It's called Brad's History. Oh, okay. We talked about this before the show. Vic, did we not? Yes, we did. Already out the gates. Out the gates. So if this if is, he doesn't get it out of the way early, it just it screws everything up. So, yeah. so we need to find. I'd, ra- I'd rather it happen now than during my pitch. Oh, it'll happen. Oh, I'm pitch. sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we need to find some sort of uh, theme music, or you know, we need some imaging uh, for this segment. So I don't know what I'm kind of looking through. I think we should do like the you know the uh, the. The like Brad's thoughts, like one of those things, you know what I mean? Oh, like uh, like Jack Handy, like a Jack Handy, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, like a that. Jack. <laughs> Corey knows a thing or two about those. There, don't he knows all about Jack Handy. Yeah, he does. No uh, so, what kind of what kind of music would that be called? Uh, we think. Uh, what kind, Corey, what were you saying earlier? Peaceful I said tones. like the uh, 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 uh. Oh, like the British royalty music, almost. Yeah, like a Ameri- uh, masterpiece theater. <laughs> You know what? I should probably put my phone. <laughs> Do you just put you put in? Uh, oh, you you didn't already have this queued up? No, 
I thought it'd be fun to figure this out as we go along. Welcome to the show, folks. Uh, <laughs> let's see. What about this? Oh, man. They're going to stick me with an ad. Oh, come on. Of bud. course. It's YouTube. Man, they're really like, yeah, you have to watch this damn ad. Right. Yeah. They, though they've, they've like nixed a lot Wait, of the skip. The fourth the wall's coming down, folks. Yeah. We use YouTube for a lot of music and sound effects on this show. <sighs> this isn't bad. And now, Brad's history. So I've seen Beverly Hills Cop when I was a child. It's a big Eddie Murphy fan, and uh, it's classic comedy. So I saw that movie as a kid, loved it as a child. Uh, 48 hours, never seen, but watched both last night. So I am caught back up, refreshed with Beverly Hills Cop, and I have now seen 48 hours. And I will say it's a very, it's it's going to come down to the arguments. This has been Brad's History. Now, did you watch 48 Hours on YouTube? No, because no. I, tried, I tried doing that you shit. You can't. There's no, no, no. It's there. It's no. there. Oh, no, it's just like some dude with a yeah. camera in and front of his the, TV. And he never turned the light off. Like, yeah. the light on his camera was on, and all you could see was, like, this light spot in the middle of the Is that how like, you watched it? That, that's how I started watching okay. it. I ended up getting another another copy, but I was like, are you kidding me? Like, why is this still up? I started to watch it that way. I was like, because I tried looking on Hulu, and I looked on Netflix, and I looked on HBO, and it's not there. So yeah, like, nothing has I'm it. I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'll try YouTube. I'm like, holy shit, it is on here. And the, the one I pulled up, I don't know if it was the same one because I quit watching it after 10 seconds. But it looked like they took the screen and blew it up. So you're actually zoomed in even farther than what the screen. I honestly be. think that it was somebody with one of those really big old VHS recorders. Mm. And they were like sitting it on their shoulder, sitting in their couch, <laughs> like focused on there, but didn't have any control over the Speaking light. Of, on it. So how did you watch it? Uh, I have the VHS copy. Is that how you watched it? That is how I watched because it. Because, of course, you would still have a VCR. Of yes. course. He's the only one out of Working, us. and you know what? That's probably how he still records things. <laughs> like, when I bet that that's when they did WrestleMania. I my TV shows, and it's all on VHS. Well, that's how I still have to watch all my porn. So, you know, I've got, uh, I've got Vic? a VCR. Oh, come on. Really? Oh, by the way, I love that now I can go to Vic. It's so much quicker and more efficient. <laughs> But um, I'll go ahead and get get something. But no, ready. I really do. I do have it on VHS in the uh, little uh, the clamshell case. So that that's old school for you right there. That was no. That was that was just a test. At least it wasn't the sure paper. It wasn't. At least it wasn't the paper slide out case because that uh, would have been even older. Oh, I've got I've got some of those upstairs. Of course uh, you do. So no, I I actually rented mine all on demand. So I've I'm caught up. I'm ready to go. Um, ha- let's see here. Who's going to call the coin flip? Um, I did the last one. Okay, Corey, go ahead. I'll call heads. Siri, flip a coin. It's tails. Vic? Siri trying to bring the white man down. Uh, Don't try to steal my joke. This one is for real. (laughs) This one's not a test. This is test of the fail this system. Is, yeah. So, Vic, you have the option. You could go first or Actually, second. Actually, I'm going to let Corey go first since chronologically his uh, came first. So, oh. Yeah. yeah, mine was released in, uh, in 82. Uh, it pits Nick Nolte, who's making a return back to the showdown. Uh, we originally saw him in Blue Chips, which was, oh, one of my films. 
Yeah, that that was an awful episode, by the way. Blue Chips is more of a basketball movie. Can we go back to then this white men time. can't jump. Yeah, he, he just can't get over However, that. White Men Can't however, Jump is way more of a basketball movie than Blue Chips. Hold on, you can go, well, I just like this movie so much more, I'm going to pick it. Yeah. I don't want to hear that shit. Yeah. No, no, don't, don't judge right, me. Fair enough. Don't judge me. Yeah, this is coming from fair the guy enough. that picked uh, Weekend of Bernie. Yeah. To win. <laughs> With your stupid fucking argument. <laughs> you know what, though? I stand behind it. Some of the best, well, some then, of the funniest podcasting we've ever done. <laughs> some of the funniest. So go ahead, Corey. Tell us about Forty Eight Hours. Okay. So uh, there, there's there's a murder that happens, and I I don't think they ever say the city that they're in, uh, but Nick Nolte's on the case, and he tr- he he finds out that uh, the guy that was that actually was broken out of jail, who was played by played by James Remar. Um, he is broken out of jail by another of uh, his gang members while well, his co-gang member i don't know how how do you say that like if we're in well, a gang together are we one like one of his it was one of his we, minions like his i don't think but it was did they ever say that partner? he was yeah the partner the big indian yeah, yeah billy billy mm-hmm. billy yeah. billy bear billy bear billy bear so uh he's broke he's broke out of his chain gang and uh they because they want they want some money that uh eddie murphy's character has hidden and so they find one of the other former gang members and they kill him and then they find a third one i'm trying to find out what his name was um i don't see him listed here but they find him and they say we're taking your girlfriend captive oh luther was that his name yeah okay so so they they take they take his girlfriend captive and uh, and they say you better come up with the money to make him find the money, and he's got this deadline. Uh, meanwhile, Nick Nolte puts the pieces together that the guy that was killed plus the guy you know they're all part of a gang. So there's one guy left, and that's Reggie Hammond, which is played by Eddie Murphy. So he gets uh, to get Eddie Murphy out of jail for 48 hours, and uh, so with his Roxanne. Help, with it, with you his, don't have to turn off the red light, Roxanne. And I, lo- I and I do love how he's got a lazy boy chair in his cell that he's that he's sitting in when he shows up. Uh, so with his help, they uh, Nick Nolte, who didn't want a partner in the beginning because uh, Brian uh, character Ben Kehoe, played by Brian James, uh, they were sp- supposed to be put together uh, with him. And he's like, I don't want a partner. And because so and so was my partner, who was killed in a gun in gunfire in an earlier scene, uh, played by Jonathan Banks. If you remember, he was the bald-headed dude in Breaking Bad. Um, that was his partner. He got killed, and he's like, "I don't want a partner." Now he is pretty much forced the to bald-headed be- dude in Breaking Bad. Yep. That for those of you who actually watch and like the show, that's Mike. He's talking about. <laughs> I was going to say, wasn't from Brian ben- Cranston the ball yeah, dude from Breaking Bad? Yeah, currently from Better Call Saul. But so was J- Jonathan Banks. Um, so anyhow, he's basically forced to be Eddie Murphy's partner uh, in trying to to find out where Gans is. Gans is, played, is the character played by James Remar, uh, who is basically the main bad guy of the whole film. So they spend the whole time trying to track him down. 
This uh, movie's so fucking racist. Let's get that out open and now. Like that I, I was I, trying to wait for you, but you've glossed over yeah. so many like dude, uh fucking uh yeah, the main bad guy um I kept calling T Hawk. Uh T Hawk. <laughs> that's all I have yeah. it in my notes, but I yeah. know his name was Billy, Billy Bear. Bear. Yeah. Um, he kept calling him that Indian yeah. the whole time. And you want that Indian how, to break her neck? That's like that's how it started out. Like the first thing he does is pulls up and he's he's like, I need some water for my fucking truck, it's overheating. And then he's like and then that's what he's saying. He's like he just starts going in at him with like every racial epithet he can get until they get into a fight, which seems stupid to me. I'm like, really you guys don't realize that this is awfully like set up that he just happened to be like throwing yeah. it directly at him. Yeah. Yeah, but I in that in that scene in particular, that was all set up to force the the fake fight in order to to break out. But you didn't so think that like that sense. was awfully natural, like racism. Like well, no, not was... to mention he just does it throughout that yeah. after they escape and they're buddies again. He just, that Indian. Make sure one of them's Indian. I got an Indian with me. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, you know what? Yeah, this is kind of. I guess for one, I guess I could see why Corey really exactly. likes this movie, but I'm like, there's oh, this God. is just it's still the '80s, Very I guess. Quick to pick it. <laughs> I guess it's, well, I guess it's still the '80s, whatever. But then Nick Nolte takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was drunk the entire time he made this <laughs> movie. Filming, like I think those flash that was improvising. <laughs> that was him in character. Well, like like I'm watching the scene where uh, where he's getting out of bed and she's like, you know. If we went to your house, you could put on a clean shirt. He's like, who said my clothes are clean? I'm like, okay, the dialogue in this is not right at all. Well, like, <laughs> it's no, so he, slow. When he immediately was, like, opening the drink at the beginning, you know, like, literally, like, one of the first scenes when he's pouring himself the drink, she's like, breath morning. <laughs> and uh, I all I could immediately think about was his mugshot. <laughs> <laughs> immediately. <laughs> and that's I thought about it through the whole movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, Nick it's Nolte like, was a like, horrible human being in this like movie. It's like life imitating art. <laughs> he was a horrible human being, but what's amazing is I guarantee you in the 80s, guys were like, oh, fucking Nolte. Yeah, guys like but him he's over an, here. Oh, yeah, he's an awful human being. But here's the, here's the thing, though. I think that's one of the things with this movie, though. You see in the beginning how, how horrible he is and how... I guess you could say to a point racist that he is. But wait, 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 to a point. To you a do point. realize he calls him... Uh, watermelon, spear trucker, and those are the only two I'm comfortable saying. And the second <laughs> one, I was still a little nervous about. But then he goes for the big one, <laughs> literally, because he, he says, he uh, says, "There's something you ought to know." I fight dirty, and then turns around and punches him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I was a bit surprised by that. Um, I won't no, lie. You like he you was, knew it was in there. It was ex- the movie? so. He was so racist. And but here's the thing: he was also really like. There's a lot of it. Really, it was weird watching it in 2016, right? Right. Because like the way they're treating the women and stuff too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like that reception. That movie came stuff, out now. Oh, it'd be, if that movie came dude, out now, you'd be done. It would get with that. I mean, honestly, though, it kind of made me nostalgic, which is weird because it's like that's an awful time period, and those are people <laughs> doing awful things. Now, now, getting back to what I was saying, and I'm gonna I'm gonna comment on that too. Um, it shows the transformation that he goes from from obviously not liking Reggie mm-hmm. and in the end actually liking him and becoming friends. That's the you know that you see the arc throughout the oh, whole. Oh yeah, film. no, it's the it's 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 again it's the creation of the cliche of uh, of uh, he teaches him uh, responsibility, he teaches him how to dance. I mean, it's yeah. the it's the original creator of that. Um, and also, 
and this is something that I that I made note of. It's not just something I thought of, but the way Nick Nolte portrayed this character, it's not something you would even see in today's films. I mean, this is this film itself is a gritty, basically it's a gritty cop drama that that you don't see in today's today. Everything's just all upbeat and happy go lucky. I mean, you look at a, a buddy cop like bad boys and they're all happy and they're jovial and oh. they may get mad well, that's but it's not have, that's because you have two black guys doing that and two two pretty funny people but if you look at uh J- say Django Unchained that's pretty gritty and it's technically a buddy cop movie if you really think about it it is yeah but neither one of them are cops and they're bounty hunters no well they is we don't have close enough we don't have they don't have grizzled detective anymore yeah I because mean, with flashy black guy <laughs> and it's just because it got done so much yeah I mean that was a, that was the. It'll probably come back at some point. It was like slasher films. Well, I mean, you like kind of you have the you have uh, the Rock seems to be him and Kevin Hart have that one coming out. Yeah, CIA. But, that, but see, that's a, again that's another comedy. <laughs> the other that's guys. A, yeah. No. Oh, that's another yeah. film you're saying. But I, those are those are comedies. And while you may think this is a comedy, it's really not. It's that gritty cop drama, and you don't see gritty cop, gritty cop dramas anymore. And I would be. I would welcome. So the so the the movie uh, the academy has mislabeled the entire movie. Why? What do they say? It's an action comedy film. There is action. I there there's is action. There's comedy. You didn't laugh there, through that movie. Yeah. No. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that. Yeah. There is comedy in there, but at the same time, it's that gritty cop drama. That's. I keep saying it over and over again. I wouldn't look at this as like seven. I can't compare <laughs> this film to anything else that's out today, as far as a. Not only buddy cop, but any cop drama. Um, excuse me. Um, you also had uh, Annette Tool playing uh, Nick Nolte's girlfriend. Uh, that's who, who you were referring to earlier. Just so you know, you don't control. <laughs> I was no. Here, here's the thing. I, here's what I was reaching for, Vic. This is what I was reaching for, and it. He waved you off. <laughs> he waved off your own, your own positive. Because you want to know why? I was gonna cut that part out of me burping. Thank you. Oh no! Leave it in. Leave it in. We talk about it so much, the people got to be reminded about why it's a running gag. <laughs> leave it in. It wasn't bad. All right. All right. So anyhow, I don't. Even, oh, uh, I was saying. Annette Tool. Annette Tool plays his girlfriend. Uh. If you don't know who she is, she was uh, in the first Superman film. She was she Lois Lane or Lana Lane? Uh, the first I, I can't Lane Lois. And then she played uh, Clark Kent's mom in uh, Smallville. And uh, um, I don't know. Talking about Nick Nolte's girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe she was a cast member of a Showdown winning film, Which little one? underdog movie called Stephen King's It. Oh, she that's was right. She wasn't Beverly. That. That's right. She wasn't <laughs> that. Uh, one thing that that you that you see in this movie that you don't uh, that you saw a lot in the eighties, but you don't see nowadays. Uh, Frank McRae plays the the police chief, the over uh, overly mad and yelling mm-hmm. police chief, and that's just something. I'll have your badge. And just yelling constantly. Everything, everything from from uh, was it uh, the the uh, Danny Glover um, uh, 
what lethal weapon lethal weapon series always had the angry the angry boss mm-hmm. like yeah, all yeah. Of the any anything that had a buddy cop movie seemed to have that that kind of uh, and, captain and and and, and, I, and I'll say this Beverly Hills Cop even had that uh, for a couple scenes in the very beginning as well too uh, Beverly Hills Cop two had it I think had it more he was in there more so uh, Denise Crosby uh, had a very small part in here as one of the lesbians I use air quotes that uh, Eddie Murphy <laughs> labels them. Um, which which was kind of funny to see, um, th- and, and everybody else is just uh, really Eddie was just trying to get some pussy. <laughs> all movie. That's all Eddie did that entire yeah, in his yeah. entire life at that time. <laughs> yeah, that was a big part of his life yeah. at that time. Yeah, I, I I love his his suit. It uh, along with his shoes, it really reminded me of Pee Wee Herman. If you if you notice, he had uh, the same color shoes and then had the or I'm sorry, the same color suit. <laughs> I can't put Pee Wee Herman in the same league with with, with mm. Eddie Murphy. What he had the, he had white shoes and then the, the suit was the same color as Pee Wee's. Go back and check it. Uh, so that so that kind of made me laugh. But overall, I mean, there he the, the film was great. I mean, he Eddie Murphy even busts out a Richard Pryor impersonation in one of the scenes when he's trying trying to uh, trying to pull one over on. The uh, the bar full of white cowboy uh, cowboys when he's trying to. Trying oh to yeah, finish. that was a great scene, by the way. Yeah. With one of the greatest quotes in a movie, "I'm your worst fucking nightmare." Uh, what a badge. <laughs> Man, we're getting our timing is so good on that. <laughs> it is so good. You get bonuses. <laughs> um. So is that all you got? Yeah, that's all I got. All right, Vic, go on over to you. Let's hear about Beverly Hills Cop. So Beverly Hills Cop, uh, this was Eddie Murphy's. Well, so we'll, we'll give props where props are due. This uh, Forty Eight Hours was was Eddie Murphy's first dive into acting from his uh, comedy career. Um, that was his debut episode, his debut movie, movie per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but Beverly Hills Cop kind of solidified his whole made him on, a star. On, on this genre and also just in general, people seeing him as an actor, like he was, that was kind of like, all of a sudden he was the shit to have in everything. Technically, and, um, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. What's that? Go ahead. No, what was that? What were you yeah, going to say? Don't, don't jump you, in and be well, like, yeah, what, what, were you, what were you getting right. ready to try to call him out on? No, I, I misread the years. Go you ahead. thought it was going to no, be coming no, to America, no. didn't it? <laughs> you thought it was coming to America, didn't you? Well, then what? What was it? I misread years. What was it? I thought Best Defense was his first because he was in it for like five minutes. No, that's literally the states that his... Wait, Best Defense? Yeah, with Dudley Moore. Well, no, but Vic's point with the whole thing was this was the movie that made him a star. Not He even said this wasn't his first movie. He just yeah. said it was the movie that made him a star. I know, and that's why. I, see, that's what I'm trying to say. I, that's, that's why, why you're like, backtracking. Yes, that's why I said never okay. mind. Well, that's a, but I we. Did, but I you could. Tried. You couldn't have just left it there. Yeah. You can't just leave that there. You made me. You were like, oh, just just say but it. You just can't say just it. Yeah, because I'm win. gonna critique. I'm gonna. Of course, I'm gonna tell you how dumb you are after you tell us why. You're gonna say that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but we true. needed to know why. <laughs> you can't just leave. It. You can't just. You can't just think about us. You have to think about our listeners. They want to know what you are about to fuck. So. <laughs> anyway, um, he plays a character named Axel Foley, who is a Detroit um, off the police officer, uh, plainclothes uh, detective, who um, at the start of the movie, you find him trying to talk some uh, some smugglers into um, buying his uh, his truckload of, uh, of, of of stolen goods, cigarettes and, and other things that 
quote unquote fell off the truck. Um, and he is haggling with them on the price, which is what sets him up for, for you really kind of find out that he's not dumb at all. He really knows what he's doing. And uh, he's haggling with the price. So the guy doesn't want to give him what he wants. And two police officers roll up on them. And uh, I love obviously how, you have a black man in the back of a truck. So they got it. They have to investigate. I love how the cops just automatically just pull up and they just assume that something bad's going on. Well, down. if you watch, if you watch, they drive by and go out of scene and then they they slowly back back up. Like, did I just see a black guy in the back of a truck with a white guy? We need to go see if that white guy's and, and, okay. And they did. And they did. I mean, they explain it in Forty Eight Hours. It was sim- a similar thing when they were fighting that the cops just happened to show up and see these two fighting. But they, ex- I mean, they explained that. But it's kind of funny how the cops just happened to be there. So. During this uh, this interlude with them, he's they're trying to figure out what to do. The cops have their guns drawn on them, and they're like, "Don't move, don't move!" And slowly but surely, the guy is walking out of the truck, walking to the side of the truck, and then kind of walking away from the cops. And the cops never do anything about it because it was a white guy. If there's a black guy doing that, they would have shot him and just ended it right there. <laughs> so the guy in the front of the truck decides he's just going to take off. The back of the truck is wide open. Eddie Murphy's holding on to a chain uh, gate that's on the truck, and he's flying around. There was more destruction in the first ten minutes of this movie. <laughs> than yeah. I've ever seen in anything. They hit absolutely anything they could. And on top of that, hit things they didn't even need to hit just so they could hit them and fuck shit up. So uh, they finally uh, stop the truck. The guy that's driving jumps out, runs off, and Eddie Murphy uh, goes back to the uh, precinct in which... Uh, sorry, well, actually... 500 other cops show up and they're like they draw guns on him and one of the cops finally realizes who he is and they're like oh great it's fucking Foley and uh, they they go back to the uh, to the precinct where uh, Eddie Murphy um, is like I don't have time for this bullshit I gotta go he's trying to get out of there you know he's trying to get out of there before the captain catches him that's the whole point like he's trying not to see that captain he knows he's in trouble Uh, so the captain again who comes in and he I guess with this genre of movie and during this time frame, that was like the mad, you know, the mad black uh, detective or sergeant or whatever, you know, commander is just screaming at him like, you, you know how much fucking damage you caused? And like, if you look at all this genre of movies, the man is on my ass. <laughs> it's like nonstop, like just blame him no matter what he's done. But we find out that he actually did this undercover without permission. Um, so he had no idea what he was doing and he stole the truck out of the impound from a prior, uh, from a prior bus that they had, that they were, that they were probably banking on for, for, uh, for, uh, evidence. So he, he did all this shit without, uh, having any, any permission. And, uh, Douglas Todd, who is his uh, commander is like pissed at him. He's like, I'm just tired of seeing you go the fuck home. Leave us alone. You just get out of here. Everyone's busting his balls about it in the locker room. So he heads home. So on his way home, uh, he gets there and he, uh, you know what else I actually like, like about this? When you see current movies, like uh, current, even buddy cop movies or anything like that, they always have like the hottest new, brand new, hot looking car. And in all of these movies, they always have this busted up ass like car. He's got an old like 66 Nova that he drives that's just busted to hell. If you saw that in a current movie, that thing would be like in pristine shape. And you'd be wondering, how the fuck did he afford that? How could he mm-hmm. afford to restore that entire car on a cop salary? But uh, they, they keep it real in this. Like, it's just real kind of down-to-earth and gritty. Um, Although, to be fair, Nolte kept it kind of realer. <laughs> he had Sky Blue Cadillac. That's yeah, true. yeah, yeah. But, uh, which is not... You could see... You could really Why am see, I doing your job? You could really see, was, like, Eddie Murphy... You're zoning out, are you? Nolte. He was zoning out over there. <laughs> he was fucking zoning out over there. Because that's immediately the first point he would normally jump on. Is immediately like, wait, what are you talking about? Fucking Nolte had the Sky Blue Caddy. I was waiting. I'm right used there. to you having to fight his fight. Though, it, so this was him. This was him. I look over. This is him. 
Vic. And then, and then I say that, and he's like, oh, yeah, that was good. That was good. That's a good argument. Yeah. Good point. Thank you for that. <laughs> so he gets back to his house, and he finds that's for you, right? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> that's for me. What are you talking about? He gets back to his apartment, and uh, he sees the door is actually already open. Um, so he pulls his gun and he goes in um, and he comes to find that his buddy Mickey is actually in there and he's eating all of his food. Um, he's got the refrigerator wide open. And I, and I thought back to when I was younger, my mom always yelling, I ain't fucking trying to air condition the whole damn apartment. Close that refrigerator door. Like that shit was always clear. That was a thing back then. Before my daughter was born, we used to use the oven for heat. <laughs> In the winter of my apartment. <laughs> it's a small enough apartment. It works well. Mm -hmm. We used to have a studio apartment. We did the same thing. Oh, no. It wasn't even a studio. It was just so <laughs> so small. <laughs> there were small rooms. <laughs> it would have been better if it was a studio because it would have been bigger. Because right? the walls <laughs> the walls made it a lot smaller. So uh, Mickey tells him that, you know, he's he's he went to jail. Um, and they they go out to drink and they're talking about their past and everything and what they've been doing. And uh, Mickey has been... Um, has been uh, sorry, not Mickey. Is it Mike? It's Mike. Mikey. Mikey's been. I couldn't in, remember if it was Mickey yeah. or Mikey. He's been in uh, California in Beverly Hills, um, which they're kind of surprised at because he's a he's a felon and he got a job to work in security at this place. Um, and uh, they find out that another you know Jenny from the block was their uh, was their friend that they have mutual friends with, and she <laughs> set him up with the job. Don't be fooled by the rocks <laughs> that she's got. <laughs> exactly. So uh, he's they're talking about everything. They go out to drink. That was a pretty bad joke by me. Sorry, go ahead. That's all right. So they go out to drink, and uh, they're talking about their past and the things that they've done. Um, Mickey, obviously, is an is a, is a all-time loser because he's even making bets on pool, on, on, uh, pool shots. <laughs> he can't even get that. He's like, yeah, I'll bet you 50 bucks that you won't make that shot. He's like, make it 100, he loses. So you can tell he's just kind of down on his luck. But uh, he gets a hold of these German bearer bonds, which um, he tells uh, Axel that he got from his job. He saw them sitting there, so he just grabbed them to see if he could make something out of it. And he came back to Detroit to, to talk to him about it. Um, but he was followed back um, by uh, Better Call Saul's. Uh, he plays Mike in Better Call Saul, not just the ball-headed guy, but he plays Mike in Better Call Saul. He shows up um, after they get done drinking and everything, and they knock Axel over the head, knock him out, which I'm like, I understand you don't want to end the movie early, but if you're going to kill one guy, kill the other one too. Like, why leave him alive? Yeah, that didn't make much sense if they were killers. You know, just but do it. It goes over in in any movie. They always you had you had options to kill these motherfuckers. Why didn't you kill this motherfucker? And he calls himself out on it later. Well, yeah, and well, I mean, if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. But if you're not, you're not. Just like kill it and make it a, make it a day. So he goes on, and uh, they kill they kill Mikey. Um, he's like, I want to investigate this. I want to investigate this, uh, this, this murder. And he's like, no, you're too close to this. Get out of here. He's like, no, I need to do this. This is my friend. He's like, no, you need to go. Um, uh, inspector Todd. And he's like, well, if I'm going to go, he's like, I'm just going to go on vacation then. Fuck it. And he's like, good. Take a vacation. So <laughs> instead of investigating it here, he just goes to Beverly Hills and starts investigating it there. And he pulls like the quintessential um, Eddie Murphy type shit, like talking the, uh, the 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 lady at the hotel into giving him a room that he does not need, that he, that he doesn't have, probably doesn't have money for, for one, mm -hmm. and that he never has an appointment for, for second. But then he pulls the race card on him, which is, which is, uh, which is a, a common thing for Eddie Murphy to do in almost anything. If he gets put in a corner, he just pulls a race card and finds a way to talk people into it. So the, the concierge or the manager of the hotel you know is like, why? okay. I'll, uh, we'll give you a room, sir. You know why white people hate when black people use the race card? Why? Because they don't have a race card to play. <laughs> 
This is the only reason they're mad about it. Well, I don't know. I've had a lot of people actually pull the race card on me that were white. And then I have no, to No, there, there, there are some of those, yeah, that do the whole white people are actually the ones who have the most, who face the most racism. Well, no, I'll just have them, they'll walk up to me and be like, well, you're just not going to help me because I'm white. I'm like, really? It's like, you don't like the color of my skin. I'm like, really? Meanwhile, I'm pulling out my phone and flipping to the, my family picture and showing them my wife who is white. <laughs> and then they, then they just go, Never mind, and they walk away. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say, you know, I got a podcast with two white guys. Yeah, apparently we're not more important than your wife. Uh, well, yeah, no, not. not at all. Because <laughs> I, I don't want to get my ass whipped. <laughs> make a note of that. Well, uh, so uh, he pulls a race card, and the guy gives it. He's like, oh, no, yeah, you can. Uh, we've got a room for you. Not only do we have a room, but it's a suite. We'll upgrade it for you for free, which means they had a room in the first place. They were literally just being racist. Well, and. Uh, like, it just shows you, again, the difference in, like, watching it now is, like, oh, there's no way in hell they ever would have, like, let him run all that shit up without taking a credit card. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. But back in the day, like, you did just sign, you like, you signed in, and mm-hmm. then afterwards, you could, because you could pay with cash back in the day, you know, they wasn't that, they weren't as, as crazy about that in the 80s. Like, you had, I think, what, you had, you had credit cards, but not everybody had them, I don't think, so they were, like, we'll just sign Bruh. off on this. Bruh, I would have been a criminal. <laughs> it feels I'm just watching these movies like, oh, it would have been so much easier to steal shit in the 80s. I wish I would have been an adult then. Dude, when I moved here, like in Philadelphia, New York City, where I'm from, they don't take checks for anything. Like you can't write a check at the grocery store. Like they won't do it. You need like 10 forms of ID and like your lease in order for them to take a check. <laughs> I got here and they're like, well, would you like to write a check for that? I was like, you guys take checks. The fuck is that? <laughs> I was like, well, why is Indiana behind everything else? Because I know for a fact really? the East Coast. Really? Why is Indiana behind? We still don't sub alcohol on Sundays. I just moved here. I didn't know any of this stuff when I moved here. I was like, I was surprised. I did. And I, I even took surprise to that, too. I was like, you can't buy beer on Sundays? Yeah. What, what? Okay. Whatever. <laughs> They do bumper business on Sundays on the north, northeast, but anyway. In Indiana, there's two things we don't like on Sundays, beers and queers. <laughs> By the way, the showdown absolutely loves the gay community. <laughs> we just unfortunately live in a state that, that gives the impression that we don't. We're not into it. But we love them. So uh, he, gets to, he gets to Beverly Hills, and he looks up his, uh, his girl, Jenny, from the block. Um, and he meets a character, which I think is probably one of my favorite characters. It's Serge. He's the, uh, the ambiguously, well, not even ambiguously, like the, the, the outwardly gay, overtly. like, yeah, overtly. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you, sir. Like, he's just like as gay as it can be. I kept <laughs> waiting for him to do the dance of joy. <laughs> it's Balky. Balky. Yeah. Balky Bartokamas. Yeah. You know what? You know what? That was a pretty, that was a pretty damn, that was a pretty damn good reference there. A little, uh. Perfect strangers nice. for you. <laughs> Sometimes the world ain't perfect. Nothing can be. He did use a Balky line though, like the last line that he has in the movie. Don't be ridiculous. Is that no, it? No, there was another. He does another. do that in there though. D- does he do that one? Yeah, I, there was. I forget what the other line was now. That, but when I heard it, I was like, "That's a Balky line." But it, the, that even show didn't even come out until after this. But go he ahead. was also on Step by Step. Was he? Yeah, he became the cousin later on. Or the uncle, one of the two. Huh. What was his name? Larry? In the later years. You remember Step by Step? Kind Suzanne of. Summers and uh, oh, was it yes. Frank Gifford? I just don't remember. No, it was not that. Frank Gifford. It not was Frank Gifford. Who was? dude from Dallas. Patrick uh, Duffy? Patrick Duffy, yeah. Yeah. And they had, it was like basically like a new Brady bunch. And the oh. girl from uh, My Two Dads. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Don't ask me. It was I a good that. show. 
I never knew. <laughs> it was part of that DGIF uh, lineup back in the day. Thank God. Yeah. It was like Full House, Family Matters, Step by Step. Like all those I, strangers. Know. I, I don't know how I missed this one. Like Step by Step. Oh, yeah. Suzanne no. Summers, man. Yeah. She was hot until she was like 70. <laughs> how does that happen? She's a vamp. She could be a vampire. Has anybody and seen her lately? I haven't. Really Lark heard. Voorhees, you thought early on, was going to get in the vampire category, <laughs> but then she revealed herself to be more like. Fucking marshmallow man. <laughs> <laughs> they finally caught up to her all at one time. <laughs> yeah, the blob. She had a birthday and it just all fell apart. Oh. <laughs> I'd make her. They went crazy. The Thrones, but I don't she know went if you crazy. You know about that, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. She's like fucking nuts. Yeah, she's. Uh, I think people are killing her. Mom's killing. not helping her either. I think no. her mom is a very big part of that. Yeah. She's like she's sick. She's whatever. But yeah, she went crazy. But uh, so he he moves. Uh, he goes to Beverly Hills. <laughs> That's yeah. a great transition. We're so far off topic of Beverly Hills Cop. We're t- how do we get to Lark? How do we get to Lark Voorhees we, and her crazy? We started mom? with Balky and moved all the way through. <laughs> I, I was just letting you go with it. Look, look at that sequence. We went from Beverly Hills Cop to Balky Bartakamu's Perfect Strangers, step by step. Uh, the entire Friday and then into lineup. Lark Voorhees. <laughs> yeah, the entire TGIF lineup into Lark Voorhees and her crazy mom. Lark Voorhees, who wasn't even. On a TGI Friday, that show. is impressive. <laughs> All right, one of our one of our best derailments ever. Yes, let's get let's <laughs> so, get back uh, on track. He, he gets to Beverly Hills. He goes and sees Jenny from the block. He tells her that uh, that Mikey's dead. She uh, gets upset, and he's like, "I think that uh, it has something to do with the place he was working for that she got him the job." And she's like, "Okay," and she's like, "Well." Victor Maitland is the guy that she was working for. Why does every bad guy in movies have to be named Victor? Have you ever noticed that? If you look at a lot of shows and TV shows these days, what's the other one? Victor. Victor Von Doom. Well, Victor Von Doom. There's uh, there's a dude on uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Victor. He's supposed to be the the heel in that. There's like all kinds of there's all kinds of guys. Um, but it's just a, it's a common thing for, for some There's all reason. kinds of guys. Three. <laughs> uh, you want me to really go through the list? Victor Creed, who plays uh, Sabretooth in X-Men. He's another one. It's They're, they're out there. Four. <laughs> Victor Maitland. By the way, anytime they show Beverly Hills in movies and stuff, man. It's, it's always Rodeo Drive. Well, that and just, no, but anytime you see like palm trees and stuff, same thing with like Bad Boys in Miami. Yeah. Like, you just want to go there. If you live in Indiana, you're just like, oh, I just want to be there. Like, I Is, go do to you guys feel that way when you watch movies like that and you see like the, the lush palm trees and the sunshine and everything else? Then you look outside here and you're like, it's fucking. 48 degrees so in May. I'm going to say something dickish. I'm going to say something dickish and you're going to call me on it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Hold on. Okay. Are you prepared? I'm ready. Okay, so the only reason why I don't have that that same feeling a lot of times is because I've been to Beverly, not Beverly Hills. I've been to Miami. So, like, I've been down those. I've, I've lived there. So, like, that part doesn't, because all I think when I see that is, like, it's going to be fucking hot there. And I don't want to be there. Like that's just that's just like the I, I never really want to go back to that. I don't I don't even think that's not too dickish. That's no. I didn't well, know. I didn't know how it was gonna be received. You know what that that's for that's for trying to set it up as being really dickish and well, then not delivering with the dickish. Received, so, You're wait, you, know. you thought being really dickish this is how nice you are? You thought being really dickish was 
I just would think it would be too. Well, look, <laughs> but you no, but you get if, like if I had what an been, asshole, like, right? If I had just been like, well, I don't want to go there because I've been there. That would have been very oh, dickish. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't even. I skated over that part. I yeah. thought you were talking about the just. Uh, it's too hot. No, I was like, like, how that, that, that would have been dickish dick. for me to say. Like I've been there, so I don't want to go oh, there. Oh no, like, I've that, been to Miami. That would have been I, like I thought he was gonna. I thought he was gonna say because I've been there because I have been. I have been to Miami and I've been to Miami and I've seen some of the area that I stayed in wasn't that great. So I was like, no, I don't want to go there. I thought that's where he was going. Oh, no. I Okay, so check this out. I was just in Miami a couple of weeks ago on my layover. Yeah. And I've only got to be in Miami for nine hours, and I enjoyed that nine hours, which about four of it was spent at the Miami airport. But I enjoyed that nine hours more than my 34 years in Indiana. <laughs> and you didn't bring Minus any, the six months in Hawaii. You didn't bring any <laughs> dolphin stuff. No, I thought about it. it. I just lost so much money. <laughs> I came back with so little money that I was just like, ah. I bet I did think about that. I, I honestly did. did. Oh, that's so sorry. It was just that's so sorry. fucking expensive at the airport. Oh, I'm sure. Because I just went to the arena and I walked around for a little bit and I went to a couple other little places in Miami before I had to go back to my flight. But I did think about you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't fucking think about you. <laughs> I'm still not sure who that was for. <laughs> so, all right. So we're in Beverly. He's in Beverly He's Hills. In Beverly He's checked Hills. into the hotel. He's told Jenny that uh, Mikey's been murdered. Correct. And He's finding out what who he worked for mm-hmm. so he can try to track down who's responsible for his death. Um, he finds out that he worked for Victor Maitland. He's a big, big time respected businessman. He's the guy Beverly that Hills. owns the art gallery. Owns the art gallery. Jenny works at right, as well as the uh, distribution center, um, mm-hmm. the uh, international distribution center in the city, which is where Mikey actually worked at. Mm-hmm. So uh, he tracks him down. Um, he gets some flowers and walks into the building. And is basically like, um, I need to deliver these flowers to Victor Maitland. And just walks into the room um, again, again. Very eighties. Yeah, very, very Eddie Murphy. Very, very bold and and very eighties, like you said. So he walks in and he's like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, look, I know you're responsible for the death of my buddy. I know what you've been doing. And he basically calls in everybody and their mom. And that's when uh, uh, Mike from uh, from Better Call Saul just basically walks up and says, I killed your friend. And uh, I I basically called your I basically killed your friend. I should have killed you. I don't know why we didn't. And they take him out and throw him through a plate glass window. (laughs) Instead of just tossing him out the door. Yeah, I thought that was so weird. Yeah. I'm like, so so this guy's already inconvenienced you. You know he's causing a problem. You're going to throw him through a plate glass window that you now have to pay to replace. Exactly. Like, what in the fuck was the point of this? And I love that the cops, again, were there in a, in a moment's flash. Well, that's the difference between Beverly Hills and Detroit. <laughs> I, I get, in Beverly Hills, they, they probably get paid well, and they're probably on the take as it is. Or so. they're like, oh, there's a black guy in town? Well, we need to keep an eye on him. <laughs> It you mean their, their black all. radar came on as soon as he drove into town? Exactly. They were like, black man's in town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they arrest him. And it's like, the, he didn't even do anything. Well, the, the best part is like his utter amazement that these guys, he's like, they just threw me through a plate glass window and you guys are arresting me? What the fuck is going on here? And he continues that argument. He's like, really? You're going to put me in the car because you're going to put me in handcuffs because I got thrown through a plate glass window. And however this all went down, like within seconds, they're like, yeah, well, they said they had six witnesses that said you you went in and started tearing the place up. I'm like, all right. So it's, it's just a black man getting caught. Corey's like, that's right. <laughs> it's exactly the way it should be handled. <laughs> Good work, officers. So they take him to the police precinct, Damn good work. which is like the, I guess at the time, the most technologically advanced precinct ever created. It was nice there as was fuck. like there was there was a static uh, 
which actually looked like only a an outline of Beverly Hills. So I'm assuming they don't do anything right outside of Beverly Hills proper in that city because like that little map that was on there. And then they had the little lights that showed the little roads and everything like technologically wise. Then like I guess it was their call center and everything was all in one small area. So uh, they bring uh, him in. Well, I was going to say something about the about the cop cars too. Did you did you notice the decals on the cop cars? Too? Oh yeah, the huge dial nine one one like uh, magnetic things on the back ends, and the Detroit ones were even funnier though. <laughs> they look like stickers, and they just yeah. had the big red uh, the big red rotating light in the top of it. They were like from like I looked like they were from like the fifties or something. It, it, it looked, it looked, but like, like you can, it, I mean, it was it was purposely done. Like it was to show that the difference yeah. in yeah. and how bad, like how poor Detroit was, as opposed to how like advanced and how much money they had in 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 Beverly Hills to to kind of fuck up the whole scene. So but, from Beverly Hills Cop to RoboCop to now. Detroit's not that great of a city. Well, we pretty much know how this works. It's never been portrayed as a great city. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a movie where Detroit was the antithesis of where you want to be. <laughs> it is a really more. nice city, though. Detroit itself? Yeah. I mean, I haven't. I've ne- that's actually one place I've never been is to Detroit. I've, I know a lot of people. I've been. That it is are super. Like Flint and stuff like that. It is but. very cool. I mean, there's obviously rough parts, yeah. but I'd honestly, it's it's better than Indy. Really? Yeah. Like Indy is Indy is like a it's a new city for the most well when you really think about how old Indy it is. wants to be like a Detroit <laughs> but it's not like people in Detroit love Detroit they they have very, they have a lot of pride in their city like it's there there's a lot of how many times do you meet like why how many times do you meet people from uh even Letterman like you had to find out he was from Indiana <laughs> you know I think everybody knows that though well, what is this? Okay, well, even still, he's he's like Muncie. No, no, I went to college there. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to downplay the fact that he's from here. I mean, I don't know. I just, like I said, yeah, and he's got some work to do. <laughs> got some catching up to do. Detroit's really, though, there's like really, there's areas of the city, especially now, they're like cleaning up parts of it. There's uh, this entire like two block uh, area that's like all old crack houses and shit that have now been turned into art projects. Mm. It's really cool. All right. So they <laughs> they take him back to the police precinct where he meets um, John Taggart and uh, Billy Rosewood, who are two uh, detectives for the Beverly Hills PD. Um, and they are uh, basically who they bring him. They bring him over to uh, to him. one of the funny parts that I, th- I thought was pretty funny. He's like, I've never seen a jail cell that has its own phone. He's like, I ordered a pizza. It's going to be here shortly. Somebody will eat it. And they take him out of there. So um, they take him upstairs. They start processing him. Um, and they're. Like everything is by the books there. Like they bring it up. They, he's he's talking to him about what happened. He's like, "Look, I got thrown through a plate glass window." And they're like, "Yeah, well, you went in there, started ripping the place up." He's like, "Really, really? That's what you think happened?" Um, and then they bring up. He had his gun on him. So they're like, "Why'd you have a gun on you?" He's like, if you're a cop, you should have checked in with us. You didn't do it. Why not? You know. And he's like, "Well, it's not the way we do shit in Detroit. Nobody fucking gives a damn. We that's, have to carry a gun with us. It's just how it is." You know. And that's when we meet Judge Reinhold. Yes, Judge Reinhold. Who became the balls of the 80s. <laughs> he had to grow a pair, though. This is kind of like, this is Actually, fledgling. And Paul Reiser, too. This was a stacked cast. Yeah, well, Paul, Paul Reiser was the balls minutes. for he was a while. only in one scene, though, in this one. Yeah, but still. Just, he's, a, he's a memorable He's credited. He's yeah. credited at the beginning of the movie. Really? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. He's a memorable enough character as he kind of plays a fool to him, but um, as his buddy when he's coming in. 
but the um so he gets starts explaining to them what happened and you know where's going and they tell him they're like well victor maitland is like one of the the prides of, of beverly hills you know that he couldn't have done any of this stuff and as always you know the, the police are on the on that guy's side um so he's trying to explain to them what's going on and they tell him like you need to leave this guy alone you know well if if you don't have any more proof than what you've come up with then you know we're, there's no way we can do this so they tell him to leave it alone he gets a call from his uh, from his boss um, Bogomil, who's the main, who's uh, the I guess the police chief in Beverly Hills, tells him that he needs to uh, stop messing with him and he needs to to you know just get his shit together and get out of town. Um, Axel decides he's going to go back to the hotel room. Jenny uh, Jenny bails him out. They go back to his hotel room. You know, there's no for for an R-rated movie. There's no like real sex in this movie at all, other than you know some boobs. No, they just for language. And I I, that's say, the is there only even thing. any nudity in it? Oh yeah, there's, they go to the strip club, dude. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, but they even, she even has like little shit on her nipples, didn't she? No, I thought she had like a little no. star or something on her nipples. Now tassels? No, they they were they were fully topless, fully topless. I forgot. But which, by the way, I mean those are like those are two of my favorite characters. Rosewood and uh, and Taggart. Taggart. Yeah, they're just great. They're those are perfect foil. supporting yeah. supporting characters, and just like I mean, you know, the the banana tail pop. Uh, <laughs> Where he sends him down dinner, I'm getting, and I'm getting to that part. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I don't, I don't want you to have to do my fight for me like Corey likes to do. But uh, so he, they go up to his room. They're talking. Um, he's explaining to him, you know, his his thoughts on what's going on. Um, she's kind of like, yeah, but he's my boss. He's been good to me. I don't want to fuck him up. And uh, they, he knows that they've been following. He 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 caught them following him on the way there, and. Uh, he say he gets room service. He orders them a, a shrimp sandwich and sends it down to them. And uh, and uh, cold was it cold poached salmon? And he sends it down to these two cops. And the guy comes out with it. And he's like, "Here, they can have this food for you. It's courtesy of uh, of Axel Foley." And uh, Rosewood just he's like, "Oh, this is so nice of him." He's so oblivious to everything. He just starts eating the eating the the shrimp salad. Which, by sandwich. the way, Vic would have died. Yeah, <laughs> I would have been done for. <laughs> Nobody's going to get that joke. Vic's allergic to shellfish. Almost wasn't able to make it to the show today because he ate something that had uh, shellfish tracings in it that yes. he wasn't aware of, and uh, his cheek swelled. My throat swelled. He was like Marlon throat. Brando in Godfather. <laughs> so, uh... Oh, hold on, Vic. You I can can't never let, sound like Marlon Brando. You can never let any of my jokes go, can you? <laughs> You look. You just hate being shown up by me. I, I do. I, it it's jealousy. That's what wow. It is. <laughs> you can fight back the Andrew's soundboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not our fault. You're too lazy to come up with your own sound effects. Um. So he gives them. He gives them the. the he sends them down dinner. And uh, while this is going on, Axel sneaks down behind him and shoves bananas up their tailpipe. Uh, which that sounds not, like a personal like thing. literally yeah like, yeah literally those, like not not three bananas not metaphorically shoving bananas up there the oldest uh-huh. comedy gags ever i want to know if that actually works though yeah it'll, it'll, it'll I w- backfire your car if you should get like you put I'm a potato on. in somebody's tailpipe and block the thing it, it makes all of the uh, fumes from the car go back into the engine and it floods it you know that no i've never tried That's it. a thing Let's go try it. I've got some bananas right over there. You gonna put them in your tailpipe? No, but put them in yours. <laughs> I'll swing that way, brother. That's all you. Uh, so <laughs> he uh, 
they take off to uh, to to go investigate a little bit more, and uh, obviously their uh, their tail takes off after them, and then the car stalls out, and uh, they go to uh, Victor Maitland's warehouse, and they start investigating, kind of looking around, seeing what's going on. He comes across coffee grounds, which he explains to everyone that is a, a way that drug smugglers will. Um, hide the scent of drugs from the drug dogs so people don't know what's going on. So not only are they smuggling in uh, German Barabons, they're also smuggling uh, drugs. So if you ever go to Colorado and you're leaving Colorado, then you know how to do it. Lots of coffee grounds. Lots of coffee grounds. I'm pretty sure, though, the dogs can probably sniff it now. You think so? Probably. They probably trained them. (laughs) So uh, they, they decide to go back. They, they try to explain to them, um, you know, that they, uh, that they know that he's, that he's dealing drugs. They know that he's because they found the coffee grounds. He tries to explain it to Rosewood and, uh, and Taggart that this is what's going on. He gives Taggart the, uh, the, the coffee grounds. And Taggart, like, just about inhales them up his nose trying to figure out what it is. Um, and they, uh, they take it back to the, uh, to the commander who he, they t- then explain to him what's going on. And he's like, you don't have enough evidence. Like, did you see drugs? Did anyone actually see drugs? He's like, no, but there's coffee grounds. He's like, yeah, well, I can't do that off of coffee grounds. So, um, they decide that it's just not worth it. They, he's caused too much, too many problems. He took them to the strip club in which he managed to, um, like instantaneously noticed that there was something wrong when these two guys walked in and uh, he sets um, Rosewood and Taggart up so that they can be the heroes and, and stop this, uh, the, the whole uh, robbery of the strip club, um, which then gets Taggart and, uh, and Rosewood and or Rosemont as, as the, uh, the, the police and the police uh, commander calls him. Uh, they, he's like, you, you guys were a place you shouldn't have been doing things you shouldn't have been doing. And he's like, well, we weren't doing anything wrong. Uh, Axel comes up with this completely fucking feasible lie, perfectly good lie as to why they were there and what happened and that they are following him. They were doing their jobs. They came in, they saved the day and he fucking turns around to Taggart and he's like, what really happened? And Taggart's like, yeah, that's not what happened. I'm like, dude, really? You could have just rolled with it. <laughs> that's like a Corey thing to do. By the way, Mythbusters, uh, banana tailpipe does not work. Ding. Did they do it with a potato though? No, they did it with a banana. Do it with a potato. It blocks the entire tailpipe. Bananas can't block the entire tailpipe. Sorry. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that's what you're looking at. It took like, I had to go to like, like, you couldn't get just like a yes or no. There wasn't a good Yahoo answer. So I had to go around and finally, and then like, I couldn't watch the Mythbusters episode. So I had to go find what, you know, the results. <laughs> that's why Brad was so quiet for so long. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what he was doing as soon as you ever want to keep it quiet. Well, because every time I want to talk about something, Vic's like, listen, bitch, I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> So go ahead. Where are we at? Uh, we are just past where they took him to the to the uh, to the strip club, and he fucks up the lie. Um, they tell him you need to get the hell out of town. He's like, uh, we're gonna drive. We're gonna we're gonna go pack your shit. We're gonna drive you to the edge to the city limits, kind of like Rambo, and uh, get the fuck out of town. So before this happens, um, uh, Rosewood is given the task to go and, and get him out of town. So he's like, well, let's make a stop before then they stop by Jenny's to tell her what's going on. And she's like, no, this can't be true. He's like, all right, well, one more time, let's just go take a look. Rosewood falls for it. He's like, okay, they go back to the uh, warehouse. They go in. He's like, if we don't come out in a couple minutes, come in after us. Uh, Rosewood's waiting out in the car for him. They go in, um, they find the drugs um, they prove that they're, the drugs are actually there, but then they get caught. Uh, they get busted. 
and uh, Victor Maitland and his cronies come in and uh, they take Jenny hostage. They take her back to his house. They were supposed to kill Axel, but uh, Rosewood actually starts growing his balls right here is where he does it. They like they show him. He's like, I'm going to go in and do it. Nope, not going to do it. He closes the door, thinks about it for a second, and he goes in, guns blazing, um, and saves Axel. Um, he witnessed Jenny getting kidnapped, so he's now been witness to a crime, so at least now they can kind of have a justifiable reason to, to go after him. Um, he tells him to, he, he calls and tells Taggart to go check out this warehouse. They found the drugs, you know, they found all the shit that Axel was talking about. It was all true. They go to Victor Maitland's house. Uh, they break in. They, uh, permit, they, they commence to a gunfight with uh, everybody that works for Victor Maitland. Apparently has automatic machine guns, which I still don't think, I couldn't find it. I don't know if those, those have never been legal on, on U.S. soil, right? The what? Is this, uh, automatic machine guns. Uh, it's private property, so uh, I don't I'm know if they change that later on. But they go at them. The uh, Taggart figures out where they are. Uh, the, the, the commander figures out where they are. They send Taggart out there. They send the entire police force of Beverly Hills out there. Their, their locating devices in Beverly Hills is amazing yeah, for 1984. Yeah, like, they're in seconds. They're they rich. They knew exactly where those cop cars were and where the, the officers were that weren't in a cop car. <laughs> knew exactly where they were. I was amazed. Well, they knew where the radio transmission came from. Yeah. Then they heard, then they, then someone called in and reported gunshots. Yeah. So they knew where the car was going. They knew what was going on. But they, and they put two together. What the hell is that? That means the round's almost over. <laughs> All right. So, Vic, continue. So, he finishes off. Uh, they go in. They, they, they basically have a big gunfight. Um, two of the guys, I thought it was kind of funny, like, you really want to die here? He's like, no. So they try to jump in the car and drive off. There's 60 cars coming up the driveway. Yeah, I thought that was pretty dumb. 60 cars coming up the driveway. They're going to try to drive the van down the same driveway. Well, like, why? You just you hear all those cops. Why would you want to get in a big-ass white yeah. van that they're immediately going to be like, oh, one of you go follow them. Run to the backside of the fucking building. Yeah. Jump over or the fence. Or hide in the house play. somewhere. Just, just it's go. a cocaine house. There's got to be it's hiding huge. places. Well, not only that, every cop car just hits this, <laughs> yeah. hits this one in front of it. The Beverly yeah, Hills like, are not like used to this kind of Keystone. action. It's like a modern Keystone cop scene yeah. is what it was. So uh, they get out. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they, they, uh, Victor Maitland takes uh, Jenny hostage. Um, he gets a shot off on Axel um, and hits him in the arm. Uh, the uh, command Bogermill comes in and uh, they, they, they stop him. Or was it Taggart? I'm, I'm lost on that part. I think it was Bogomil comes in. They, uh, they, they, he's standing there. Jenny gives him a quick sh- kick to the shin, ducks out of the way. He fires at Axel. They basically blow him away. He rolls down the stairs. The big bad is dead, and uh, they all walk out victorious. Um, they started talking to the, uh, to the chief of police for, uh, for uh, Beverly Hills, and Bogomil actually comes up and gives him the biggest load of bullshit ever created, though most of it was true, just not in the right order. And he's like, are you going to fucking tell me that's what actually happened? He's like, mm, yeah, that's what happened. So he turns to Taggart, who has had his breakthrough moment and realizes lying is not really that bad of a thing. And he's like, tell me what really happened. And Taggart's like, mm, yeah, that's what happened. But, well, no, <laughs> first does the eight-second look around yeah, like, to show that he's obviously lying. Right, right. <laughs> which, which obviously, and, and, of course, the boss knows that they're lying. He's like, I want that report on my, on my desk in the morning. So he knows they're lying. And then they all go out for a drink. Right. And uh, all right, so Corey, you had a couple things. Yeah. Oh, hold on, we're gonna add something new. Uh, since we've gone long on this uh, this portion of the segment, uh, I'm giving you two minutes and ten seconds. Okay. Hang on. Okay. Is that exciting? Go. Okay. All right. So we are doing buddy cop films, correct? Yes. Now, 
When you think of a buddy cop, what do you think of? I think of buddies. You think two guys, right? Uh, I, the movie I Spy, Starsky and Hutch. Um, let's see, what else was there? Oh, uh, 48 Hours. They had two guys paired together, and they were forced to be uh, to be partners. Um, in Beverly Hills Cop, you had Axel, and then you had these two other guys. So there's actually three guys, and they weren't actually really forced to be together. They had to happen to work together, and they weren't really technically working a whole lot together. So um, 48 Hours, you had Axel, and you had Nick Nolte, and they were actually working together. Um, so... That came from That Vic. was Reggie, not Axel, fool. Whatever. Um, it's not the point I'm trying to make. Anyway, uh, also, 48 Hours was uh, actually remade in India in 1984 as Andar Bahar. Uh, did Beverly Hills One Cop minute, five seconds left. That's fine. Uh, does Beverly Hills Cop have a, a remake in another foreign country because it was so good? No, they doesn't. So, um, But 48 Hours was remade in India. That's all I have. Vic, you have uh, 50 seconds for a rebuttal. 50 seconds? All right, first of all... I should have kept Well, going. you just had 55 minutes. First of all, um, yours isn't a buddy cop. You have a buddy cop movie either because um, Hammond is not a cop. He's a convict and he's not a cop. So if you want to go with this buddy cop situation, yours doesn't work either. So that argument is moot. Oh, shit. So also, um, I may not have a remake, but my, my movie made th uh, $316 million, okay? Compared to the, what, 70-some million years made? Who cares about money? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, if you want to go with the indie, with the indie, the indie, if you want to go with the indie remake, the indie, the Indian remake at that, um, no. You made $78 million on your movie, on the $12 million budget. You made not even half of what my movie made. According to Wikipedia, uh, normally it's two cops, but in some films, such as 48 Hours, that are not about two cops, but still referred to as buddy cops. It's a subgenre. And this is a buddy cop movie, too, because you have buddy cops. It's commercial time. Corey, where can the people find you at? You can find me on... Ah, no, still no. No, Vic. You can find me at Black and Angry. That's B-L-A-Q and Angry on Xbox One, as well as online at MillerKing51, MillerKing51. All right, Corey. No. Come on. Don't be that way. We don't have much time. It's just the You're Perfect Strangers thing, so go ahead. All right. You can find the showdown at the showdown pod on Twitter. Follow us and find us on Facebook, the showdown podcast. Click like somebody should court. You can find, you me. can find me at bradscottcomedy.com and follow me on social media at bradscottcomedy. Sometimes I wonder why I even bother. You can find me on Twitter at NKO Gonzo. You can also find me on Letterboxd using the Letterboxd app at NKO Gonzo. Just had to fucking ruin that perfect segue out. All right, hang on. I had to pull up. No. Heat is on. It's still perfect. Okay. It's perfect. All right. I'll give you a little buffer zone here.
Welcome back. We are back with the Showdown Podcast. This is our uh, buddy comedy bro down episode. And I have made a decision. And it is uh, a double disqualification because neither of you idiots actually picked a buddy cop movie. I did say, though, that... uh that this was a sub, mine was a subgenre of the buddy cop films. Okay, but in the actual genre, you could have had Lethal Weapon, Bad Boys, I Spy, Dragnet. Hell, you could have had Turner and fucking Hooch, and it would have been more valid than the two films you chose, which was a trio and a racist white guy abusing a black guy. However, I will say that uh, Rotten Tomatoes lists my movie as the, one of the number one in its top 12 picks of buddy cop movies, so mm-hmm. I think I have a defendable point. Well, when Rotten Tomatoes decides the winner of these battles, Vic, then you'll be fucking <laughs> golden. Um, I will say this. Do you guys want to know who I would have chosen to win if I would have actually like picked a winner? It would have been me, of course. Well, do you want to know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. This is off the record. I mean, it's on the record because we're recording, but it's off the record. In the books, it's going to go down as a double DQ. Um, but I would have gone Vic. Of course. Because so here's why. You were so close to this. You were scratching at it, but you didn't quite get there. If you would have used the weekend at Bernie's defense in this case, I would have totally given you the win no matter what. Because if you would have actually said, strip away the wacky music, 48 hours is a drama about a white cop abusing a black convict. Uh, and people getting murdered through the whole thing <laughs> would have made way Within- more sense than the dead guy that's getting his hair <laughs> vacuumed off and hitting a buoy attached to a, uh, uh, a jet ski pole. Damn it. I'm going to have to fucking try this defense at some point. Just yeah, to see if I can it would have totally given you, but you wouldn't have. So it would have gone to Vic right. uh, because Vic's movie is way better. And yeah, so um, that is the that is the results. Double DQ. No winners today. Uh, very rare. Occurrence here never happened before. Yeah, we've had split decisions. I've told you both you were both awful before, Quite but we often, always had actually. somebody else that would actually pick one of right. you. Um, so <laughs> they actually did what they were supposed to do. Yeah, they did their <laughs> job. Uh, but I figure hell, half the time you don't do your job, so why should I do mine? Yeah. Um, now we do have uh, some big news coming up. Not big news. I guess it's just kind of news at this point. Um, we're gonna be at PopCon again yes. this year. That is June seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth. Um, and if you go to our Facebook page or our Twitter account, we will have uh, more information as we get there. We might have some surprises for you, but at the very least, we're going to be there walking around interviewing people. Um, if you're in costume, please come say hi. Uh, we'll ask you some funny questions, and we're going to have a good time. And we definitely want to take it to the people this time rather than trying to hit up the, the celebrities that are already there and not to say that we won't pumped try up that. for whatever reason. Well, we know you won't. Yeah, we'll end up having to try that, but... <laughs> Corey will just stand off and go, hey, go talk to them. That's the guy who was the third extra on The Walking Dead in season three. <laughs> we got we got to get him on. The, see if he wants to do the show. We'll see if he wants us to go to his hotel room and do an episode. Nice. <laughs> really? <laughs> I brought his discography with me. <laughs> we go watch it on the I way have his entire history. <laughs> uh, no, it will be fun. And um, the good news is, is this year, I believe, uh, Corey's going to charge all the batteries and I think we figured out our mic issue. Yes. yes. So we will have plenty of footage for we you this year. We will have backups on, on top and of that. Are we doing the video game thing again this year, too? Yes. Are we judges yep. again? Yep. All right. So we will be judging video games. And I'm going to play some this year. 
Definitely. God, I can't wait to get Corey on them sticks and have him play We Are Ferguson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I am Michael Brown. It's got. It's got to be. It's got to be the next. That's got to be the sequel to that whole. Uh, that whole I job. am Chicago. <laughs> uh, so, yes, check us out at PopCon again. That is going to be June seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth. And uh, what is this? This is an ad. That been the- We've been waiting for a long time. Yes, we've been waiting for a long, long time. We've been waiting for a long time, but we ain't gonna wait no more. We're getting ready to rock and roll. We're gonna one, two, three, four. That's the show. What were you trying to tell me? I'm gonna say I think people are waiting for the end of this episode. Oh yeah, they 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 yeah they been, oh fuck dude that would have been good. Yeah, um, but yeah. I said it so you know. Okay. Oh, you did say it into the mic. No, no, no. I just said it right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can tell you guys are ready for this shit to be over with. <laughs> Sadly, this was our second attempt at making a smooth exit on this. <laughs> we won't put you through. We literally had to record this entire ending again. I know we can say it now because like we haven't broken any of the mystique. But now that you guys have heard it, it sounded pretty natural, right? Right? Yeah, because it's the second fucking time <laughs> we did it, and it still ends just as clumsily as the fucking first time we so did if it. If we did it professionally, it wouldn't be us. It wouldn't be our show. That's right. It's, not it's, ama- it's amazing we only have eight listeners. <laughs> See, now people are going to say, oh, wait, they already knew what the ending was because they already did it once. Oh, wait, here, here it goes. Yep, there it was. There it was. Had to get one more in there. Yeah. So for I'm just gonna be quiet Vic Miller and myself, <laughs> you can speak for your own fucking self. Yeah, that was Corey Miller shaking his head. Because <laughs> that could be that's audible. We are the Showdown Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>